you know, I kind of let it run for three months and I didn't know my numbers. Well, know your numbers, people. Know your numbers before you buy, know your numbers after you buy, and during the whole time while you have your properties. Um, it's really, really yeah. important. Welcome to the Get Real Podcast. Your high octane boost of full on reality therapy for personal, business, and investing success with your host, Ron Phillips, because somebody's got to tell it like it is. Hey, everybody, Ron Phillips here with the Get Real Podcast. Heather Marchant in her hey, hey. RV. And this is going to be mm -hmm. crazy. Today's show is going to be crazy because I am in a hotel in Tampa. And Heather is in her RV in some undisclosed location. So <laughs> this is going to be a fun show. Oklahoma. Um, Oklahoma. So, Oklahoma today. Mm -hmm. As promised, we're going to bring a little bit more knowledge uh, in our little um, series. And we're going to get started. So I'm not going to go through all of the stuff that I usually go through. We're just going to get started today because we got a lot to cover and we only have 30 minutes to do it. So we're going to get started. So here goes. You guys ready? We're going to talk about entity structure, which mm -hmm. is usually really boring, but Heather and I are going to crank this up and make it not boring. And we're going to talk about it really fast. So then it will seem less boring than it well, otherwise would have. So do you For need sure. an entity? Heather, do you need an entity? If you're going to buy properties, well, do, you, do you need one? You don't have to have one, but it's a great liability protection in case, you know, you have a tenant that dies on your property or something catastrophic happens that if you get sued, you don't lose all of your wealth, but you don't have to have one to buy a rental property. No. <laughs> I love it. You know, <laughs> you don't have to have one, but if you don't have one, then all this really nasty, bad stuff can happen to you. So it's your choice. <laughs> I love it. That and it probably, probably would happen. And on that it. note, we don't really have to say anything more about this, do we, Heather? <laughs> but we will, because you guys uh, need to know a little bit more. Anyway, there are a whole bunch of different types of entities. We're only going to cover a few of them. And mm -hmm. let's, let's talk also, Heather, about how each one of these things works with loans and all of the intricacies of buying these things, because... Uh, as some of you may or may not know, if you have an LLC or a trust or a series LLC or a corporation or whatever, you can't close on a normal, traditional Fannie Mae loan with one of those. Yeah. So you don't like that. How do we get around that, Heather? So one thing that's worked really well for our clients is that they will purchase in their personal name. So the bank's like a personal guarantee, right? They want, if you purchase inside of an entity, the entity is held responsible for the loan. But if you use your personal name, then you're able to have that personal guarantee for the loan. So the banks like that a lot. So it gets you better terms. I mean, significantly better terms. <laughs> So if you have the choice and you have a choice between a 30-year fixed versus a five-year adjustable rate, uh, lower interest rate um, to get the personal guarantee, those conventional Fannie Freddie loans like Ron was talking about. So I um, have a lot of clients that will purchase in their personal name, close on the property. And I have a couple clients that are pretty aggressive and they are recording a deed 
moving the property from their personal name into the name of their LLC within 24 hours of closing. Stop the presses. It's, yeah, right? Stealth-like. So, <laughs> so it's really fast. And I usually just have my clients access um, the title company who closed the transaction. Some of them won't do it. They say, oh, it's practicing law. We won't do it. But they just prepare a deed. Um, but if not, then we have resources for our clients. You can access uh, lots of different people across the country will prepare a deed for you, not just an attorney. So, so you probably should. If, once you get to the point where you have enough assets that someone would want to take them from you, be that the government or someone trying to sue you, then uh, you definitely need some protection. And you can use an entity, whether that be a trust, an LLC, a series LLC, whatever you want to, whatever it is that you want. Okay. And you can do that after you close on the property in your personal name, you can put it in there. Okay. And you know, somebody is going to write in and say, what about the due on sale clause? And I'll say what everybody's been telling me for the last 20 years, I've been doing real estate. You've never seen a due on sale clause as long as you're making your payments. And I'm going to go ahead and say the same thing. That said, either Heather nor I are attorneys and we are not giving you legal or any other kind of advice. So, Well, I've been told, yes, we're not attorneys. <laughs> what I've been told too is that if you own the entity, then it doesn't really matter either because you're deeding it to an entity that you own yourself. So it wouldn't trigger the due on sale clause. So I was told that by an attorney. So there you have it, people. There you have it. So <clears throat> there are trusts. We're not going to get into the ins and outs. That's a completely different uh, topic, which, you know, we can bring somebody on to talk about. Actually, we, we have talked about this before on the show, I'm pretty sure. Trusts, LLCs, mm -hmm. series LLCs are LLCs that have a series in them. So in, instead of having to set up five LLCs for your five different properties, you can set up one, L, one series LLC. Each property can be in series inside of that. You only have to do one K1 end of the year, which is fantastic. Um, so if you live in an area where you can have those um, in, the, in a state where those exist. They're pretty cool. Pretty cool. In addition to all of this, you should have insurance and you can get blanket policies to cover liability policies to cover yourself and your properties and everything like that. Very inexpensively in addition to this kind of protection, which is fantastic. And so now let's move on to something even better, which is numbers. And this is going to be interesting. I think going through these without have now, if you're watching the video, I could actually share this, but since nobody else is going to get it, we're not going to let you cheat either. What we're going to do is we're going to try to tell you how to read a pro forma that you may, may need to get out like an old fashioned pen and paper <laughs> for this one. It's very exciting. Go I old school a for idea. a second. Take some notes. I was going to say one of the uh, biggest questions I get about our pro forma that everyone's afraid to ask is about cash on cash return or your return on investment. I find that people don't understand it, but are afraid to say they don't understand it. Like how exactly is that calculated? But it takes them a while to ask me. I have a few people that will ask me up front, Strange. but most of them feel a little, a little bashful that they don't understand what it means. Um, okay. Well, if you're out there and you're bashful, <laughs> we're going to bust through that right now. We're going <laughs> to tell you how it's figured. That way, you don't have to feel bashful anymore. You shouldn't anyway. We're very nice people over here. I know. I think I think people are afraid to sound ignorant, but a cash on Heather's cash Heather's intimidating. That's what very. the thing is. It's Heather's. 
Heather's really intimidating. Oh my gosh. That's funny. (laughs) Well, the cash return on investment is super simple. So you take what you paid for the property out of your own bank account. Okay. That's the number we're using to check our return against, not the purchase price of the property. So if you put 20% down on a hundred thousand dollar house, that would be $20,000. And then say your cash flow, you know, is $5,000 per year. You do want to calculate it annually. That is one thing that sometimes throws people off, but Mm. say it's $5,000 a year in cash flow. It is divided by what you paid for the property. So $20,000 is how we use, do it on our pro forma. Um, We just do it on the down payment. So that would be a 25% rate of return. That is not including your closing costs. So once you know the formula, super simple to calculate, right? Annual cash flow divided by what you paid for the property. And if you want to include closing costs or any other costs, you can. So yeah, absolutely. And we don't include them because everybody's closing costs are different. It depends on what you decide to do with your loan. And so mm-hmm. we, we, we don't include those. We used to, and then people would get pissed off because they weren't exactly right. And I'm like, yep. well, you chose, you chose to do your loan differently. Of course, it's a little bit different. So now we just take them off and we just leave it the way that it is. And you can add them because we are now helping you understand how to calculate um, your return on yep. investment. Incidentally, if you wanted to do your return on investment on the purchase price, it would be called something different. Heather, what would it be called? The cap rate. From roll rate. It too fast. It lost its effect. Uh, and <laughs> guys, we're doing this at night. We don't usually do this at night. And Ron is in rare form. I've been in a mastermind all day long today, um, <laughs> learning more so that I can share more with you guys. And um, anyway, I'm... <laughs> evening Ron is different than morning Ron. <laughs> it is a hundred percent different. You can ask my kids. They'll be like, Oh my gosh, what's wrong with you, dad? <laughs> well, it's almost time for bed. That's what's wrong with me. So pro forma, there's a few things on a pro forma that you need to look for and that you should be able to find on a pro forma. So if you're looking at ours, they will definitely be there. Okay. But if you're looking at somebody else's, you need to make sure these things are on there. Okay. And there's, two different types of pro formas that you need to look at. There's one that has just fixed expenses. And then there's some variable expenses that you need to figure in as well. So if you're comparing pro formas and you're getting them from two different people, realtors, whoever, you need to make sure that you're comparing apples to apples because the variable expenses can really skew the numbers. And if one person doesn't have variable expenses on there and the other one does, One's going to look worse than the other one when Mm -hmm. in reality, it may be the other way around. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And what are those expenses? Let's go through like the fixed expenses, things that, and fixed expenses, guys, that just means some kind of an expense that we know every single month, it's the same thing. And we know it's going to happen. Variable expense is something that we don't know is going to, well, we know is going to happen. We just don't know when, we don't know how much, right? And variable expenses are things like vacancies and maintenance because we know we're going to have vacancies and we know we're going to have maintenance. We just don't know when and we don't know how much. So we have to guess, educatedly guess. Okay. And some companies I've noticed put capital expenditures separate of maintenance. Some Mm -hmm. put them all in together. So capital expenditures, Ron, tell us what capital expenditures are. Capital expenditures are things that you have to repair on a property that aren't like maintenance. So maintenance is, you know, the toilet got stopped up or you know, the weather stripping around the doors, you know, falling off and you have to replace it, things like that. Capital expenditure is something that you have to 
to replace like an HVAC system or a roof. And those are things that you know you're going to have to replace and you usually plan for those large items. So if you're going to hold a house that has a brand new roof and you're going to hold it for 30 years, you're going to have to figure over that 30 year span you're replacing a roof because roofs last 20 years, right? Mm -hmm. Roughly 20 years. If you just got a rehabbed house or a brand new house and you're going to plan on keeping it for five years, well, you don't have to include a roof, right? Because you're not keeping it long enough to justify including mm -hmm. a roof in your capital expenditures. Okay. Yep. Fixed expenses. Fixed expenses are, well, we know if you're financing, then it's your mortgage payment. You've got taxes you got to pay. So you have principal, interest, taxes, insurance, P-I-T-I, -I, okay? Principal, interest, taxes, insurance. Then if you have a homeowners association fee, you know what that is every month. If there's anything else, right? If, you, if you're paying for lawn care, um, so if you're on some kind of a lawn care contract or something like that, and you know what the expense is, that's a fixed expense. You just need to put it in there. It should be in the fixed expenses piece. Yep. And in all, all of our properties, we recommend professional property management. So property management would also be a fixed expense, something that never yep. changes. Real yep. simple. <laughs> all of their fees are spelled out. You should be able to get them right off of the property management agreement. You know exactly what they are, right? Yep. Okay. So there's the two performance, or they may have them blended together, which is also okay. You just need to know so that if you're looking at two different ones and you're comparing them, you're making make sure that you're comparing apples to apples. Okay. It's really, really important. People make that mistake quite often. And one company who's trying to put in all of the expenses so that you can get a pretty clear picture isn't going to look as pretty as somebody who's omitting all of those variable expenses and not giving them to you. So the way that we decided to, in our company, to combat that is that we have both. So mm -hmm. we have just your fixed expenses on the top and on the bottom. We take all the fixed expenses, we add to them the variable expenses, and then we perform it out so that you can see both. But not everybody does it that way. And that's okay. That's not right or wrong. It's just the way that we decided to do it. But it is important that you know the difference so that you can clearly see what they are. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about how properties like birth other properties. Because this is really pretty cool. And let's start My with... Favorite kind of pregnancy right there. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it shouldn't be... I'm Shouldn't kidding. be near as painful uh, for any of you um, ladies out there as a normal uh, pregnancy. It's actually, should be it's supposed to be a happy occasion, right? Uh, yes, painless, painless. Although I have worked with some clients who've had morning sickness, where they wake up feeling queasy about the fact that they are buying properties, <laughs> and that's a normal thing too. Um, so if that happens to you, just know that it's going to pass. You'll be okay you'll be really will be fine. Um, just thought, I just thought of that, but it, it has happened. People have <laughs> called me in the morning and they're like, Oh my gosh, I couldn't sleep last night. I was like, I was ill. That's normal on your first one. So uh, yeah, I would, I would agree with that, but that is a fabulous analogy. Yes. Okay. Sure. So we have an example. Let's say you take a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. And you buy four properties with it. Now, some of you out there who didn't listen to the first part of this, are now trying to figure out how in the world you bought four properties, $100,000. Those are crack houses that we already told you not to buy because they're you know $25,000 a piece. That's not true. What we're doing is we're going and we're putting 20% down on four properties. And you know we've yep, included a little bit in there for, mm -hmm. for closing costs and what have you, right? So boom, we've got four houses. Each one of them is $100,000 a piece. So we're buying $400,000 worth of properties. Each one of these properties cash flows 
almost $300 a month after all of your expenses. Okay, so you've got a $400 mortgage payment, you got $100 in property taxes, you got no homeowner association fees, you got 75 bucks roughly in property management, and you got 35 bucks roughly in insurance, bam, your rent comes in about $900 a month and you're left with almost 300, 280 and change, okay? Pretty cool. Yep. And since you got four of these, Heather, our cash flow is like over $1,000 a month. Yeah, which is amazing. Pretty cool. Yeah. So $284 probably isn't gonna change very many people's lives, but when you start getting up into $1,000 a month, all of a sudden, you can do some cool stuff with that amount of money yeah. when it's coming in. For sure. Not to mention, you got four cool little uh, houses out there. And what are the four things that are happening to these four houses, Heather? Uh, yeah, it's so great. You have a tenant this, paying down your mortgage, man. Like we talked about this before, but having the ability to have someone else pay off your debt for you, it's unbelievable. So all the while you're getting your cash flow and then you can depreciate the property on your taxes. So can't go wrong there. <laughs> and then you own something that's going up in value typically, right? Even if it stays flat, it's still awesome, right? You have your other three rates of return, but typically they keep pace with inflation and they'll go up in value at a steady, slow, steady rate. Okay. So on these properties, we've used a pretty nominal growth rate. So appreciation rates, 5%. And we've put in there vacancy losses and maintenance. And over five years, what happens to each one of these houses is that it goes up in value. We pay down the mortgage, that's increasing our equity position, and we've collected a lot of cash flow. Mm -hmm. And when you add all of that together, it, it's a pretty substantial amount of money. You end up with enough money after those five years to buy 10 properties. You could sell those and buy 10. So we went from four properties to 10 properties because each one of those properties is worth you got $41,000 plus 16. $41,000 is the uh, appreciation and the and the payoff, the equity spread. And then you got $16,000 worth of, or I think maybe maybe the opposite. Either way, that's a lot of money. It's like 50 some odd thousand dollars per one of these four. Mm -hmm. Now, all of a sudden, we have enough money to go out and buy 10 more properties. So net sale, it, it, it nets you after we pay the uh, realtors and closing costs and all that good stuff, it nets you somewhere around 230,000 bucks. Now our cash flow can go up because we're, we've created from four properties, we've created 10. Yeah. Now our cash flow goes up about 250%. Now we're sitting on 34, almost $36,000, which would be $3,000 a month. We've almost tripled our cash flow. So nice. And all of that without the tax benefits, we didn't add in the tax benefits because we don't know what your tax bracket is right but you can just bet that on almost all of that money you haven't had to pay any or very low amount of taxes mm -hmm. so just to clarify you're saying you sell those first four right and then yes. like a 1031 exchange and purchase 10 more some people ask why wouldn't you just refinance and take the cash out it's a great question and you can it's simply a math equation and a lot of times when you do that, what happens, uh, what ends up happening is that you end up either breaking even or negative on the ones that you've refinanced mm -hmm. to get some cash flow from another one. 
and you've pulled your equity out, right? And then in almost every scenario, it works out better to do a 1031 tax divert exchange and move your money. Yeah, I think one other thing too, in addition, is that you have properties that are now five years old, right? So you can potentially start having some maintenance. So selling them and getting out before they start nickel and diming you makes a lot of sense too. Yep. Constantly moving the market gift that you're given Mm -hmm. into more and better properties. Yep. I agree. Um, So Heather, how do we know when how do we know when it's time to maneuver your money, when it's time to change things? So return on equity is a formula that we use. Super simple, but for some reason, explaining this is very tricky unless I can show you. So I'm going to do my best. So you take your annual cash flow again, but this time you divide it by the total equity you have in the house. So that's going to be your down payment plus any growth it's had, right? So say the house I've bought for a hundred is now worth 110. I put $20,000 down, but I now have 10,000 in equity. So I'm now, instead of dividing it by my $20,000 down payment, I'm dividing it by $30,000. So your percentage goes down. In addition to that, guys, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to try to lose you here, but I just want to make sure that, that you're tracking on all three, right? There's, there's your deposit because the numbers were easy the way that Heather played them. And I know why she did it because this is really hard to do without seeing it. So you got your deposit, which is $20,000. It's still in the property, right? It didn't go anywhere, okay? Mm-hmm. Then you've got the money that it went up in value, the 10000 but you've also got somebody who's paid down mm. a certain portion. So in that one year, it may be only 1000 bucks, but over five years, it may be five, six, seven thousand. 7000 I'd yeah. have to look at an, uh, an actual uh, schedule to see. But you got those three things that all happened. When you take that number... And then you divide it like you would normally do with your deposit or your down payment. Um, well, all of a sudden your return doesn't look so hot. Yeah. And this is, this is, uh, this is like a, a brain trick for most people, right? Because a positive thing just happened and your return went down, which doesn't seem to make any sense because mm-hmm. if positive things are happening, it should be happening everywhere, right? But that's not how it works with the return on equity. What we're trying to see is how much all of the money should be making. And if you're, if you're increasing the equity and your, your rent amount or your cash flow isn't going up, well, then your return is necessarily going down. Just your cash on cash return. Yeah. The rest of it obviously has gone up. You've done really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. But that will tell you like, if you do that calculation, Heather, and your return goes from, what did you say before, like 25% and it goes yeah, down to like eight yeah, and you go, well, I really like the 25. What, what that means basically, if I can break this down and try to make it really easy to understand is how can I get all of the equity mm-hmm. to make me the same thing as my original equity made me? Yep. Does that make sense to everybody? How can I get all of my equity, which is now way more, to make as much cash on cash return as my original equity made mm-hmm. me? Just trying this to make hard- your money work for you rather than just your down payment. It's not just your down payment anymore. It's bigger right? than that. It's grown. Yeah. And it is your money. So you put your money in, <laughs> but your money <laughs> yeah. had, had babies, right? Yeah. And you have more money now. And because of that, or 
maybe it is the baby, but it's grown. Your baby's grown, right? <laughs> your trying baby's to, trying getting, to, getting bigger. <laughs> I'm trying to figure this out. This is your baby's bigger. And because of that, you can sell your baby. I'm not sure where this is going, Heather. I really don't know where this is going. <clears throat> it's, it sounded really good, though. So, it did all the way until you have to do a 1031 exchange on your baby. I'm not sure that that works. I don't think that works, everybody. Please don't. Now, Ron said I could sell my baby, and we do a 1031 exchange on it. <laughs> you can't do a like-kind exchange on your kids. Uh, it doesn't work. It does but not work. The cool part about it is, is that other people's money become your money right? They, yes. they now go into your coffer of, of money. And so you're, even though that money wasn't originally out of your bank account, it's still real money. If you sold, if I sold that $100,000 house, I would get 30 grand out of it where I only put 20 grand in, right? So, and Ron's, like Ron mentioned, right? You're going to have the other equity potentially from the tenant paying down the mortgage, depending on how long it's been, right? So it's, Oh, it's amazing how fast it happens. Most of our clients, I would say, hold a property for five to seven years. Right now, it's even a little shorter than that, just mm -hmm. because we've had such a good run. But the property starts to get a little older um, and need more repairs. And we look at the numbers and we do annual reviews with our clients to look at all these numbers and say, well, it's time. <laughs> it's time to sell and, and move on. And so it works really well, but you have to annualize it regularly, at least annually to know if it's time. Yeah. And this all, so let's, let's go, let's go back to the start, right? Where's your money and how are your assets doing now? And how, how do you, how are your assets doing compared to what they could be doing? based on everything you've learned so far. So in the beginning of this, we, we um, told you about personal financial statements, balance sheets, and on your balance sheet, you should be able to see where, which buckets your money is in, right? There's the cash or cash equivalents bucket, which I think we talked about, but let's just recap real quick if we didn't. And then you have your retirement plan money and your home equity, and all of those buckets are kind of different. Home equity is just kind of hard. It's harder to get. You can still get it, but it's harder to get. Mm -hmm. um, retirement accounts is, uh, I mean, you can still use it, but they're, they're, they have different rules, right? So you have to understand what those rules are. And then you have cash, cash equivalents, which is what we've kind of been talking about, right? So which one of these buckets are you wanting to play in, right? And, and understanding the rules to each one of those. And then after that, we talked about what kinds of properties should we be buying? right? What are the ones that work best for people who are just starting out, uh, intermediate, and then, you know, people who have significant amount of assets and are, have been doing this for a long time, a seasoned kind of folks in the business. Um, we talked a little bit about why real estate is superior to, well, I mean, should I say it? I mean, I, I Superior to almost everything um, on the market as an investment. Now, I'm not saying you should put all of your eggs in one basket. I'm just saying that this basket over here is going to look a lot sexier than the rest of them. It's okay. It's okay. It's not our fault. Um, you know, just, I can't. You know. I can't help that. It's just it is what it is. What else did we talk about, Heather? We talked about uh, single family, multifamily. What the differences mm -hmm. between those? How the loans work um, with with respect to those. Today, in this episode, we started out talking with a, a really fun subject entities, structures. Really I will say if people have questions about that or need a referral for someone that can help them, 
we do not help clients set up entity structures, but we always leverage our relationships for our clients. So mm -hmm. if you um, have a need, you're welcome to reach out at invest at rpcinvest.com and we can help connect you. So, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and with any of this, right. Um, yep. But that one specifically, and then, you know, we're, we're probably not really going to cover it um, too much in this. So I'll, I'll just talk about it really quickly on, on entities. There's another reason for entities, right? We need asset protection and you need also, if you're going to be planning on leaving a legacy, yeah. well, that, there's, there's a structure to that as well. You use these entities in certain structures um, to be able to pass your assets along to whoever you want, whether that be your, your kids, grandkids, uh, charitable interests, whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you don't have this stuff set up, you head into probate. I think we talked about that. It's not a place you want to be. Bad, bad place. Nobody likes probate. No, thank you. Yes. So then how to read a pro forma, which, you know, we did swimmingly for not being able to show you a pro forma, <laughs> I think. Hopefully you guys followed that. Pat ourselves that. on the back. We are uh, so <laughs> hopefully we should. Hopefully you guys followed that and you could track through it. If not, listen to this again. When you get home, just pull up a pro forma from our website and just go through it as we're talking about it, right? Just go through a pro forma or pull up one that you got from somewhere else and just look through it, right? And, and look for each of the things that we're talking about in there. Um, and I will say, you guys, you could easily, on a, on a pro forma, there's probably terms, maybe things we haven't discussed here. I can't tell you how many times as I was learning all of this over the years that I wouldn't drop into Google, define, if you put in define, colon, and then a word, any, I mean, all these real estate terms will pull up and definitions, yeah. real simple. Yep. Cap rates, cash yeah. and cash return, like all of the things that are on that pro forma as, as something that you should look at. Yep. They'll all be on there, right? The way I learned too, another tip is I would do the math myself and and run through and run through all the formulas. And then that's, that's when I really got it. This was a long time ago, but still, I mean, I went through and calculated by hand all the numbers on our pro forma. And then I was, I finally was like mind blown. Like I just got it all of a sudden. So, so in my, in the mastermind today, there was a guy who was doing a presentation and he said something you know, you hear people say they're in business and they're, and they're, you know, I'm not a math major, you know, I can do this and I'm not a math major. And he said, that is such crap. Everybody who is a business owner, which owning rental property is, is, you may not be a math major, but you are definitely using math on a consistent yeah. basis to make sure, because this is everything we talked about, almost everything we've talked about so far is a math problem. Yeah. Right. Well, and it is, um, this is not complicated math, but sometimes some of the um, concepts of it can be a little bit uh, difficult to get unless you do. And I thought that was a great thing, Heather, is just do the math. Just learn it yourself. Run through them until you can get the right answer because that'll tell you how to do them. That's, that's actually really, really good. And here I am paying, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars to be here to have somebody else tell me something exactly the same. That's exactly what they said today. Just run. Run your numbers. People, it's not that hard. Just run your numbers. Although as business owners, everybody has to hear that occasionally. Do you know your numbers? Well, I, I did three months ago, but you know, I kind of let it run for three months and I didn't know my numbers. Well, know your numbers, people. Know your numbers before you buy. Know your numbers after you buy and during the whole time while you have your properties. Um, it's really, really yeah. important. Um, really important. I agree. Okay. 
We will be back on uh, next time with some more. And each time we're just going to drop a little bit more. If you have questions from this uh, episode, please email us. Uh, Heather, what's the email? Invest at rpcinvest.com. Done. And make sure you share this, like it. And um, we really appreciate all of the love. You guys have been really kind. Um, man, we've gotten so many uh, written reviews since we've been asking you to leave them. And we really appreciate it. And my gosh, they're so great. Um, <laughs> so we are, um, we are humbled, very appreciative. Thank you for that. If you're listening to us right now and you're like, no, oh, that's funny. I never left one. Then you should um, definitely do that. And, and if you don't um, know how, email us and we'll send you a full instructional video. Yeah, because Apple doesn't make it easy, unfortunately. They, they make it really difficult. Apple, but if you're listening, <laughs> make it easier for crying out loud. Well, the reason that we want more written reviews, you guys, is it makes us e more searchable, easier for people to find us in the podcasts. So we'd love to be um, more visible for people. So. And what's the most important thing, guys? Until next time, make it happen. Get out there and make it happen. This has been the Get Real Podcast. To subscribe and for more information, including a list of all episodes, go to getrealestatesuccess.com.